Hello and welcome to the Verity Podcast for Saturday, March 2nd, 2024. We're the only podcast that's separating the fact from the narrative spin. I'm Adam Clark. And I'm Eric Steiner with today's top stories. A U.S. judge rules that Pegasus Spyware's owner must give data to WhatsApp. Iran holds key parliamentary elections. The U.S. Congress passes another stopgap bill to avoid a government shutdown. A tragic shopping mall fire claims over 40 lives in Bangladesh. Donald Trump's classified docs case leads to sparring over the trial start date. The White House announces a delay in power plant regulation plans. Meta scraps its news tab in the U.S. and Australia. The culprit is found in a U.S. healthcare system cyber attack. Elon Musk sues OpenAI for allegedly abandoning its founding mission. And a study indicates more than one billion people worldwide are obese. A U.S. judge rules that Pegasus Spyware's owner must give data to WhatsApp. Here are the facts as agreed upon by The Guardian, ITC, The Wire, and Read Write. U.S. Judge Phyllis Hamilton has ordered Israeli cyber weaponry company NSO Group to hand over the code for its Pegasus spyware, along with other products, to Meta-owned WhatsApp. Meta first sued NSO in 2019 over allegations that the company's Pegasus spyware was used to spy on 1,400 WhatsApp users over a two-week period. NSO asked the Supreme Court to throw out the lawsuit in 2023, arguing that its business represented foreign governments. It also claimed that it only sold Pegasus to vetted governments for anti-terrorism purposes. The Supreme Court refused to block the case. Despite NSO's claims of various U.S. and Israeli restrictions, Judge Hamilton ordered the company to provide its spyware data from between a year before and a year after the alleged hacking of WhatsApp users. This would encompass April 29, 2018 to May 10, 2020. Hamilton did rule in favor of NSO by not requiring it to disclose the names of its clients or information about its server architecture. This comes as U.S. President Joe Biden's administration has warned about national security threats posed by Pegasus, which is capable of gaining access to people's phone calls, emails, photographs, location information, and encrypted messages without their knowledge. Eric, thank you for laying out the facts on our first story today. I'm going to start our first round of narrative spins with a Narrative A spin provided by the NSO Group. The NSO Group is one of the world's leading cyber intelligence companies for a reason, trusted by governments and law enforcement across the world. NSO technology helps save lives by combating crime and terrorism. While every company can continue to make itself better, that doesn't mean it should be demonized for providing cutting-edge public safety technology. Al Jazeera has the establishment critical narrative. Pegasus wasn't sold to altruistic governments for the purposes of fighting crime, but rather to governments who wanted to spy on journalists, dissidents, and activists. Among the estimated 50,000 victims of this intrusive spyware were two members of Human Rights Watch targeted by the Jordanian government. Another included a Palestinian-American journalist. NSO gives bad actors the power to violate human rights. Iran holds a parliamentary election. Here are the facts as agreed upon by Al Jazeera, New York Times, CNN, AL Monitor, and Guardian. Iran held its elections for 290 members of parliament, as well as 88 members of the Assembly of Experts, who are tasked with selecting the Islamic Republic's supreme leader. 
The names of candidates were announced two weeks before the election, with campaigning beginning 10 days before. Candidates, of which there are over 15,000 this year running for parliament, must be approved by the Guardian Council to run. Most came from conservative parties. Over 61 million of the country's 87 million people were eligible to vote, though opinion polls found 27.9% would, quote, definitely participate, while 36% said there was no way they would. Iran's last parliamentary election was held in 2020 during the COVID pandemic. It saw the lowest participation rate since the 1979 Islamic Revolution at 42.57%, due to voter turnout being 12% after 8 hours and 27% after 10 hours, the government extended voting by 2 hours. This trend continues a decline in turnout following over 40% in the last election and 62% in 2016. This year, many reformist candidates were also disqualified. Starting at midnight Saturday, local time, the Ministry of Interior will begin releasing preliminary results, which will also give a glimpse of how the Assembly of Experts vote will turn out. Thanks, Adam, for the facts. Tehran Times has the pro-Iran narrative, and it's the first spin. Not only have Iranians at home come out to participate in their country's democratic systems, but a high number cast their ballots from abroad. Despite Western efforts to encourage citizens to stay home, the Iranian people believe in their country and are willing to do what it takes to vote, even from consulates and embassies in foreign countries. Iran Wire is going to counter that with the anti-Iran narrative. Iran's election integrity issues are on full display. First, Supreme Leader Khamenei cast his vote early in the day so that everyone else knows who to vote for. The country also rolled back its ID requirements, leaving ample opportunity for fraudsters to cast multiple votes, to cast multiple ballots. And if that wasn't enough, the regime printed millions of unnecessary extra ballots, which also give it the ability to ensure the success of its preferred candidates. Our first nerd narrative of today's podcast, coming from Metaculus, says there's a 50% chance that Iran will cease to be an Islamic Republic by January of 2039. Congress passes another short-term funding bill. The facts are agreed upon by the official website of the U.S. Congress, the Associated Press, Appropriations, and CRFB. The U.S. voted 77 to 13 Thursday to approve the extension of Continuing Appropriations and Other Matters Act to provide short-term funding for federal agencies to prevent a government shutdown. The bill provides federal funding for agriculture, rural development, the Food and Drug Administration, energy and water agencies, military construction, and veterans affairs, among other things, through March 8th, with all other agencies funded through March 22nd. Earlier in the day, the House passed the bill by a margin of 320 to 99. A majority of two-thirds was required in each chamber for the legislation to reach President Joe Biden's desk due to the bill being considered, quote, under suspension of the rules. This bill is the fourth temporary spending legislation for fiscal year 2024. On Thursday, Biden called the extension good news for the American people, but said a long-term solution was still required. This follows a statement from bipartisan group of congressional leaders Wednesday pledging to pass six appropriations bills by March 8th and another six by March 22nd. They also agreed on a funding basis for the upcoming appropriations bills, including $886 billion for defense spending, $704 billion for non-defense purposes, and $69 billion for additional agreements. Thanks for the facts, Eric. We're going to start the spins with the pro-establishment narrative provided by Politico. 
There's optimism that the latest bipartisan stopgap extension will be the last. Half of the appropriation bills have been agreed upon and members of Congress now have an additional two weeks to reach consensus over the remaining six. While there's still a way to go, there's a solid chance that all appropriation bills will be passed and the threat of a shutdown will be pushed far into the future. Iron Mountain gives us an establishment-critical narrative. The continual cycle of looming shutdown threats before last-minute deals is an embarrassment. Republicans and Democrats continue to place uncertainty over the livelihoods of hundreds of thousands of American workers, and such behavior is symbolic of why Washington's politicians are viewed with contempt by many. Congress must stop playing games with the lives of the American people. And the nerds are going to keep the spin rolling with their opinion. They think that there's a 30% chance that there will be a U.S. government shutdown before January 1st of 2025. And that's according to Metaculous. Tragic news out of Bangladesh, where over 40 have been killed in Dhaka in a shopping mall fire. Here are the facts as agreed upon by Al Jazeera, Reuters, New York Times, BBC News, NDTV, and Independent. At least 45 people were killed and a dozen others injured after a massive fire broke out at a six-story shopping mall in Dhaka, Bangladesh's capital, late on Thursday. While an investigation has been launched to ascertain the cause of the blaze, Brigadier General Main Uden, the head of the Bangladesh Fire Service and Civil Defense, said the fire could have originated from a gas leak or a stove. According to the country's health minister, Dr. Samata Lal Sen, most of the people were killed by carbon monoxide poisoning after becoming stranded in an enclosed room. The building, which housed restaurants, garment stores, and mobile phone shops, reportedly had gas cylinders on every floor and lacked an emergency exit. The fire was under control after two hours, with firefighters rescuing 75 people. At least 40 injured people were reportedly being treated in the city's main burn hospital. Deadly fires in apartment buildings and factory complexes have occurred frequently in Bangladesh. In 2021, over 50 people died when a fire swept through a food processing factory in Dhaka. Those were the facts, and the first spin is Narrative A. It's coming from the Daily Star. Deadly fires and industrial disasters have been a recurring problem in Bangladesh due to governance and regulation issues. Until government indifference and lax enforcement of fire safety rules give way to a credible and accountable health and safety regulation structure, innocent citizens will continue to lose their lives in tragedies like this one. And the spin's going to wrap up with a narrative B provided by U.S. News & World Report. It's unfair to point the finger at the Bangladeshi government, which swiftly saved many lives, launched a prompt investigation, and took appropriate measures to hold the culprits accountable. Faulty gas cylinders, defective air conditioners, and a poor electrical wiring could have caused the fire if only the building owners had fixed its structural issues. Such a tragedy could have been avoided. The sides spar over the start date in the Donald Trump classified docs case. The facts are agreed upon by Forbes, NBC, ABC News, The Palm Beach Post, NBC News. Former President Donald Trump on Friday appeared in a federal court in Fort Pierce, Florida, for a hearing that mainly focused on the start date for his trial related to the criminal case against him over retaining classified documents at his Mar-a-Lago residence after his presidency. Trump's team said it would be unfair to hold the trial before November's presidential election, but prosecutors from special counsel Jack Smith's office requested a July 8th start date. Prosecutor Jay Bratt said holding the trial within 60 days of the election 
wouldn't violate Department of Justice protocol, but Trump's attorney said that the trial could take up to five weeks and push close to the election if it starts in July. U.S. District Judge Eileen Cannon had set a May 20 start date, but postponed that because the U.S. Supreme Court is considering Trump's claims of presidential immunity. Cannon acknowledged that setting a date for this trial is also challenging because Trump is facing three other criminal trials in New York, Washington, D.C., and Georgia that could take place this spring and summer. In this case, Trump is facing 40 criminal charges, including willful retention of national defense information and conspiracy to obstruct justice. Thank you, Eric. We're going to start the spin with a pro-Trump narrative provided by AF Legal. This case completely exposes the political weaponization of the Justice Department by the Biden administration. The DOJ violated many of its own rules to infringe on the former president's rights, and this case is a sham. Rather than delaying this trial, it should be canceled. The anti-Trump narrative comes from MSNBC. This trial should start sooner rather than later. Trump's team is pulling out every trick in the book to delay the proceedings against him, hoping that his judicial appointees will do him a favor. He knows that if he delays long enough and wins the presidency in November, he can avoid prosecution. And the nerds think there's a 50% chance that Trump's classified documents federal criminal trial will begin by April 3rd of 2025. That's according to the Metaculous Prediction community. The White House announces plans to delay power plant regulations. Here are the facts as agreed upon by Fox News, CNN, New York Times, and Washington Post. U.S. President Joe Biden's administration said the Environmental Protection Agency, or the EPA, will delay plans to regulate existing fossil fuel power plants until the end of 2024 or next year. EPA Chief Michael Reagan said that while existing gas-powered plants won't be regulated now, it will begin regulating new coal and natural gas-powered plants in the coming months. The delay in the policy, which is part of the EPA's plan to require all U.S. power plants to capture their carbon dioxide emissions by 2040, follows a deal between Biden and the automotive sector and labor unions, which also includes delaying limits on automobile emissions. Power plants account to around 25% of the country's CO2 emissions, with environmental groups expressing concern that the original EPA policy would only cover 5% of existing plants. Some business, energy, and manufacturing groups have also rejected the policy as power plants currently provide 60% of the nation's electricity to tens of millions of Americans. Adam, thank you for the facts. The progressive narrative is our first spin. It says this is a hypocritical decision on the part of the EPA, which just a week ago determined that its own proposed regulation wouldn't be enough to reach its 2040 emissions goal. Instead of making its rules even more robust, it's decided to play politics with the environment and roll back the already insufficient power plant regulation plan. The earth is being polluted at dangerous levels, and the only way to fix it is by slashing greenhouse emissions. The conservative narrative is provided by New York Post. Someone at the EPA must have finally realized that it wouldn't be a good idea to shut down 60% of the electric grid, which is essentially what would have happened since the original carbon policy was virtually impossible to follow. The EPA may have also noticed that the Biden administration is trying to double the size of the grid through his electric vehicle ambitions, which would ironically require more electric power, not less. The nerds from Metaculus say there's a 3% chance that the U.S. greenhouse gas emissions will be cut in half by the year 2030. Meta is dropping its Facebook news tab in the U.S. and Australia, 
Here are the facts as agreed upon by CNBC, The Guardian, Seeking Alpha, and ABC Australia. Facebook parent company Meta announced Thursday that it will remove its section devoted to news called Facebook News in Australia and the U.S. in April. Meta previously announced the same for the U.K., Germany, and France. The move also ends commercial deals between Meta and Australian news publishers it signed in 2021. The agreements came after Australia enacted its news media bargaining code, prompting Meta and Google to sign deals worth hundreds of millions of dollars. While Meta won't suspend exiting publisher deals in Australia, France, and Germany, it said it won't renew them once they expire. Deals in the U.S. and U.K. have already expired. In a blog post, Meta said its Facebook news usage dropped by 80% last year in the U.S. and Australia. It also noted that publishers can still leverage products like Reels and Ad System to drive people to their website and keep 100% of the revenue. One analysis found that 33% of traffic for over 1,900 news and media websites was through Facebook as of December 2023 compared to 50% a year ago. Another found that Facebook referrals dropped by 99% since 2017. While Facebook said its decision was due to users not utilizing its platform for news, the Australian government criticized the move, adding it would turn to the Treasury to explore ways to respond via the bargaining law. Thanks, Eric. Meta's going to start the spin with a narrative A. Meta is following the numbers. News content makes up just 3% of Facebook user feeds around the world, so the company is widely shifting its investments towards things users want. News websites will start to be able to share their content across the platform, and once their audience clicks on their website, these companies won't have to share a penny of the revenue with Meta. And Sky News has narrative B. Meta's move adversely impacts journalism. A functioning society needs a robust press to cover the stories of the day. But platforms like Facebook make it impossible for journalists to make any money doing their jobs. Governments like Australia tried working with Meta to build a fair system for publishers and the company, but Meta has decided to turn its back on principle in favor of profit. And the Metaculous prediction community thinks there's a 2% chance that Meta platforms will sell Instagram or WhatsApp before January 1st of 2025. Change Healthcare reveals its cyber attack culprit. Here are the facts as agreed upon by Associated Press, Calb, Reuters, NBC, and Forbes. Change Healthcare, a healthcare technology company owned by United Health Group, Thursday revealed a ransomware group, ALPHV or Black Cat, has taken responsibility for last week's cyber attack. Change, which says it processes 14 billion transactions a year, explained that its systems had been affected and that it has had to take its operations offline, but it doesn't believe any other systems across United Health Group have been impacted. Disclosed February 21st, the hack has impacted the entire U.S. healthcare system, with electronic pharmacy refills and insurance transactions being disrupted. American Hospital Association CEO Rick Pollock called the attack, quote, the most serious incident of its kind leveled against the U.S. healthcare organization. Change also said it's cooperating with law enforcement and two cybersecurity companies, Mandiant and Palo Alto Networks, on ongoing investigations. Adam, thank you for the facts. Narrative A is the first spin. It comes from Wired. 
Government agencies have been diligent in disrupting ransomware organizations, but they seem to be bouncing back. More must be done to protect healthcare organizations and other vital services from these sorts of attacks. It's going to take a combination of stiffer sanctions on bad actors, improved security for potential victims, and perhaps laws banning ransomware payments to prevent future disruptions. CNBC is going to continue the spin with a narrative B. Whether Change Healthcare did all it could to protect against this type of attack will be determined by ongoing investigations. But in the meantime, it's incumbent upon the company to do more to communicate with medical providers and pharmacies to let them know what's going on and how to keep their practices and businesses afloat while the reimbursement system is in limbo. The Metaculous Prediction Community has a nerd narrative. It says there's a 90% chance that the U.S. will have passed legislation that requires cybersecurity around AI models before 2030. Elon Musk is suing OpenAI for abandoning its founding mission. The facts are agreed upon by The New York Post, Zero Hedge, Verge, TechCrunch, and CNBC. Tesla and SpaceX CEO Elon Musk on Thursday filed a lawsuit against OpenAI CEO Sam Altman and his company for allegedly abandoning their mission to develop artificial intelligence, quote, for the benefits of humanity. Musk was a co-founder of OpenAI in 2015, but stepped down from its board after calling AI, quote, potentially more dangerous than nukes. In the suit, Musk claims that Altman and his fellow co-founder Greg Brockman broke their promise that OpenAI would be a nonprofit aimed at countering Google's competitive threat by making its technology, quote, freely available to the public. Musk is also accusing the ChatGBT creator of becoming a, quote, closed-source de facto subsidiary of Microsoft focused on maximizing profit. In addition, Musk is accusing OpenAI of violating its fiduciary duty and using unfair business practices. Musk has long voiced his concern about AI as an imminent threat to humanity and has criticized OpenAI's agreement with Microsoft, which includes $13 billion for a 49% stake in the company. He's asking for a court order requiring OpenAI to follow its original mission. Thank you, Eric. We're going to start the spins with Bloomberg, and they've got a narrative A. Musk's criticism of OpenAI is 100% right. OpenAI has branded itself as a company that will responsibly lead the world into the AI generation in the safest way possible, but it has become beholden to Microsoft. Altman has seemingly thrown his convictions away in order to benefit Microsoft financially, and Musk is holding him accountable. Narrative B comes from futurism. This suit is not in good faith, and Musk is wrong for criticizing OpenAI for chasing profits. At the same time, he's creating his own for-profit AI venture. He's using this lawsuit as part of a dispute with former OpenAI co-founders, which suggests this legal action is less about the future of AI technology. Well, the nerds think that there's a 10% chance that OpenAI Inc. will change its mission statement before January 1st of 2025, according to the Metaculous Prediction Community. And our final story today reveals the result of a study which says that more than 1 billion people worldwide are obese. Here are the facts as agreed upon by AOL, BBC News, Guardian, and Imperial News. According to a study conducted by the World Health Organization, or the WHO, in partnership with an international group of researchers and based on data from over 220 million people in more than 190 countries, there are now more than 1 billion people in the world living with obesity. The study, 
spanning 1990 to 2022, found that the rate of obesity quadrupled among children and adolescents, more than doubled in women, and nearly tripled in men. In total, about 880 million adults and 159 million children were obese in 2022. Obesity is defined in adults as having a body mass index greater or equal to 30 kilograms divided by your height in meters squared. Professor Mahid Azadi, the senior author of the study, pointed to an urgent need to, quote, improve the availability and affordability of healthy, nutritious foods to tackle the condition. The study, published in The Lancet on Thursday, found that one in eight people in the world were obese in 2022 and that obesity remained the most common form of malnutrition in most countries. WHO Chief Dr. Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus said the comprehensive study highlights the need to prevent and manage obesity, quote, from early life to adulthood, through diet, physical activity, and adequate care. Thanks, Adam. The first spin is Narrative A, coming from Business Standard. Habits and personality traits acquired in early life play a major role in how an individual's body turns out. Studies have shown that children showing low conscientiousness and are irresponsible, careless, and disorganized are likely to battle obesity later in life. A key part of being conscientious is developing self-control, which could enable them to evolve into healthy adults. The Cleveland Clinic's going to keep the spin moving with a narrative B. We must stop viewing obesity as merely a lifestyle disease with a so-called lack of will and nonchalance about one's so-called looks as contributing factors. The abnormal or excess accumulation of fat in one's body is a more complex phenomenon and is caused by multiple factors. These include genes, environment, imbalanced food intake, and lack of physical activity. It's a chronic problem, and its treatment could do without the stigma attached to it. The nerds from Metaculus have a final nerd narrative of today's podcast. They say there's a 50% chance that at least 45% of Americans will be obese in 2032. Thanks for listening to the Verity Podcast for Saturday, March 2nd, 2024. Each day we use machine learning to read about 5,000 articles from about 100 newspapers and figure out which ones are about the same stories. For each major story, our editorial team then extracts both the key facts that all articles agree on and the key narratives where the articles differ. Find out more at Verity.news and download the Verity app on the Apple App Store or Google Play. For Adam Clark, I'm Eric Steiner inviting you to join us next time on the Verity Podcast. Podcast. 